What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron. Michigan State loses by 1.55 to 56 in Champaign. Um, and Rod, they got off to a, a pretty slow start offensively, um, to say the least. Um, <laughs> putting it mildly they uh go down 14 at halftime and it was just a very very slow crawl back <laughs> all the way to the very end uh and then again they miss uh they have a chance to tie with free throws at with 0.2 seconds left and malik call misses the front end um that was a just tough a tough one to swallow without kofi and Curbelo. <sighs> I, I talked about this. I, I'm going to – I get it, and that's going to be the sentiment of a lot of people. I I think it's a little misguided, um, and here's why. I mean, people are entitled to their opinions and feel however the hell they want. Mm-hmm. I'm not – and you can probably tell by the tone of my voice. This is the second loss of conference play, and it was strikingly similar in some surface ways to the Northwestern game, right? Best players out. You play miserably. Somehow you have a shot to win. You're at the free throw line, and the guy misses the front end. The only difference was in that game, it was a one and one. This one, Malik got a second one, and he actually hit it when they didn't want him to. Mm-hmm. Um, but strikingly similar on the surface. But radically different games, in my opinion, in terms of what we saw. In my opinion, Michigan State lost this game for one major reason. They were totally incoherent offensively for most of it. Yeah. Now the turnovers, I don't know if you got, I don't have the stats in front of me. What were the total turnover, final turnover numbers? Oh, let's see. Final turnover. Looks like we got. Ten to six. Ten? Yeah. Does that mean they didn't have a turnover in the second half? I mean, it wasn't. It, there weren't many. I didn't know it was that few. Okay. So, the the people who want to scream and pound the pound their fists on the table about turnovers don't really have a great argument tonight. It, early, it was a problem. I yeah. mean, the first half there were just some bizarre ones, right? Mm-hmm. But. But over the course of the game, I think the biggest problem, very clearly to me, was they didn't they didn't run their offense well, and they certainly didn't hit shots. And they're interrelated. I didn't think they got great quality shots. Mm-hmm. They had some, and they missed a lot of those. I mean, the three-point shooting. Look, we, we've talked about this on this podcast before. There are nights, and they tend to come on the road, where you can be a very good shooting team and they just don't fall. Yeah. This was one of those nights. Okay. Shots just didn't fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you could put, I don't think it's just that simple. I thought Michigan state didn't do a great job of um, running their offense. And get, I mean, even down to that, that last possession or second to last possession the one where walker missed the jumper yeah. that was not the shot as i wanted you know and so there was some of that i thought you know max was really fighting it all game long just his worst game of the season by far both ends um and he forced some stuff you know i just didn't think they ever found a rhythm offensively mm. which they normally do turnover you can talk about turnovers all you want the fact is this team has been a pretty solid, were they 29th offensively in the country? So they're doing something right, despite the turnovers. Yeah. And most of the time, that's what we see. Good ball movement, 
generating good looks and good shot selection. Well, we didn't see those things in as uh, we didn't see as strong a showing in those areas as we normally do. And then, you know, that led to a lot of misses. And then even when they did generate good shots, they didn't shoot well. So that's it. Mm -hmm. Now in the first half, I didn't think the defense was great. I thought if, if you know, and it's it's hard to, you, get, you can get into really deep discussions about this. Possessions in the first half mean just as much as possessions in the second half, and they do. But if you and if you look at it that way, I suppose you could say, boy, some of the defense Michigan State played in the first half was a big part of this loss. They were really bad early on. Yeah, in ball screen defense terrible he kept getting and, they kept getting split like every time well there was that but i'm talking about before that there was a little bit of that with frazier in the second half mm-hmm. i'm talking about mostly in the first half frazier went on a personal 8-0 run when hogard was guarding him yeah yeah in the game and and i'm not going to necessarily blame aj on the two threes uh, he went under screen so my guess is that's not how they wanted to play it but it may have also been the responsibility of Julius Marble, who was out there with him and who had a a terrible game, calling a spade a spade. Julius was terrible defensively. He was the guy getting split too, mm-hmm. if you noticed. Um, so he did. He. This is why I, I question his ever becoming a a guy you count on, because defensively, man, he is just not an everyday show up do the job kind of player he has days like this and i i would be interested to know i doubt Izzo calls it out but i would be interested to know what he had to say about that because i i thought he was really bad mm. and you notice they went small ball late in that game yeah like really um, small ball <laughs> for, for good for good reason mm. for good reason because julie you can only go with marcus you know marcus has only got so much in the tank and he played great i thought but um down the stretch, they went with the Hauser-Hall combination. I think it was the right move because Julius was just getting killed mm. all game long. So anyway, they had those. They had trouble in the first half. I thought defensively they were not very good, or they, at least they weren't. They weren't great. They were okay at best. Second half, they were incredible. <laughs> they really were. I don't think Illinois scored. I saw a number. I haven't verified it. I don't think they scored the last five and a half minutes of that game. Uh, yeah. I'd... They were on yeah. 56 forever. I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah. Michigan State just shut them down. And that's what I say. How many possessions did MSU have that were empty if they didn't get a shot to fall? If you just get a couple more shots, it was. It came down in the end. I think it came down to that mm-hmm. as much as anything else. They just were not cohesive enough offensively. Not the way they normally are. Um, but I, I loved the second-half defense. I loved the way they rebounded. Now, you could say, well, they had Coburn out. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But Michigan State dominated that game on the glass. They yeah. And we've seen them not do that against worse rebounding teams, even than this Illinois team without Coburn. Mm. We've seen that recently. So the, I guess the reason that to take it back to where I started with this, the reason that I feel a lot better about this one than I did the Northwestern game is this was not about effort and toughness and how hard you play and how hard you competed and how you execute, how you guarded, Uh how you rebounded. It was none of those things. Those are the things that worry me. Those are the things that make it very difficult for this team to win. If those things are in place, this is a prime example. You play a terrible game offensively, arguably their worst of the season. I'd have to look at the shooting numbers, but it's got to be up there. It has to be. Yeah, it, and, yeah, it's got to be thirty five percent. And you're, and you're on the road, and you lost by one. Mm. And you know you could say they didn't have Coburn. Uh, uh, the Curbelo thing. Don't talk to me about that because <laughs> I think if Curbelo played, Illinois loses. That's what I think. But I think it, that little of him. But Homo um, had said something uh, that I thought was pretty accurate, though. Sometimes when these teams lose a big player like that, it, it tends to galvanize everybody else. Absolutely, in the short term, in the short term, yeah. especially. Yeah. But what I and, and I and I believe you saw that. I mean, they had some guys. You know, Luke Goody. What he hit three triples. That's you know. Sometimes that happens. 
a guy steps up. But what I'm saying, what I was going to say was, even without Coburn, this is not a terrible team. Yeah, yeah. They've got guards who can play, and their big men, even without Coburn, as you saw, are they're certainly not great. And I wouldn't say Illinois with this lineup would be an upper, upper tier team, but they would be still an NCAA tournament caliber team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I really do think that. I think enough of those guards yep. that they, they'd be there. So th- this is this is not, you know, there are going to be a lot of Michigan State dopes that, and I'm talking about fan base, that uh, get up in arms about this, screaming about, oh, they have COVID, we didn't win. Let it get away. <laughs> Save it. The, the other thing, and I mentioned this the other day, coming out of the Wisconsin game, um, you can talk about that stuff all you want, but the fact is, if you're looking at a road to a big to Big Ten title contention, to winning it, right? Mm-hmm. There are certain games on the schedule pretty much every year that you can go in looking at it and saying, eh, I don't love our odds on that one. This lined up as one of those. Second consecutive road game, and the first one was Wisconsin. So that is always going to make it tough. You knew Illinois was going to be a title you know, in the mix somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's one at the start of the – even in December, the start of Big Ten play. I would have marked down this game as a very likely loss. I'm not happy they lost it. I understand full well that there were ample opportunities to win it. But does it change – how I feel about this team in a macro sense? Absolutely not. No. Because because I know they're not going to have many nights like this offensively. We've seen enough of them this year. Unless you believe that they're going to go into a team-wide collective offensive slump, which I guess is theoretically possible, but I wouldn't bet on it. Mm. Um, you know, then, then this is one of those. I, I was on the Spartan mag board, and I was, I was saying – you know, people have really short-term memories. <laughs> the Cassius Winston teams, I believe in consecutive years. I know for sure in 19, and I think it happened again in 20, I'd have to go back and, and look, uh, went into West Lafayette, and it was the, I think it was the second year, the, the 20 season, Purdue was not very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. Got, waxed absolutely run out of the gym both times right so i've seen better teams than this michigan state team absolutely fold and i don't mean fold in the sense that oh they're not tough or anything for one night they just kind of didn't have it and and didn't didn't fight and claw their way back into it and and that's the second of those purdue teams was absolutely not any better than this Illinois team, even without the Illinois team that played on the floor tonight. I mean. mm. um, and, you know, they were, if I remember correctly, that Purdue team was not going, was not likely to make the tournament. No. Um, they, they had, they had a rough year. It was a year after Carson Edwards and that elite eight team they had. And so that, that team was clearly no better than this Illinois team on the floor tonight and a very different kind of result. What that means to me is I liked the way Michigan State defended for a lot of it. I loved the toughness, the effort, the competitiveness, the refusal to just fold up. Mm-hmm. They competed. And and that does matter. It matters because that was the problem. I, I thought not just the Northwestern loss, but really the three or so games leading into that. I think those things were slipping. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they won those games because they were just better than those teams. But they didn't outcompete those teams. You remember that game against Minnesota at Breslin? You remember yeah. the game in Evanston? Um, I'm trying to remember who the other one was against. I'm drawing a blank, but uh, Nebraska. Nebraska, Nebraska at home. Yeah, they 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 didn't play with the kind of effort or toughness that we saw in November and December, Mm. you know, and it caught up to them. And eventually Northwestern took it to them. You know, I didn't see that crap tonight. I saw a team that, that fought and that stuff was there and it was, it was intact and that will matter because they will have many, many, many better days than this offensively Mm -hmm. starting 
and you can quote me on this on Saturday afternoon. If I was in Ann Arbor, I wouldn't be happy with what I saw. <laughs> because the odds of Michigan State coming out and playing offensively like that again, very, very slim. And you already know they're going to be focused because of what that game is. And now, especially if Michigan beats Northwestern, they're going to be four and three. Mm-hmm. And all the media talk is there. Oh, Michigan's on a run. Big game. They could really make a statement for the tournament if they could pull it off. I'm calling my shot. Michigan State's going to wax the shit out of them on Saturday. Believe <laughs> it. I'm calling my shot. If I'm wrong, <laughs> let me have it. All right. But, but, uh, I like certain elements of what I saw tonight. Obviously, mm. they're think they didn't play well as you evaluate a basketball game, but that's not the totality of it. And you have to keep the bigger picture in mind. Mm. So that's why my tone is, I think, markedly different than it was coming out of that Northwestern game. I was really, really down with what I saw. Because yeah, that's just that. That's that's stuff you can't win with. It, 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 and it's and it's not going to get better until you see it get better. Michigan State's shooting, that's going to be better. Yeah, because and it was good shots too. I mean, they were missing good shots sometimes. It was just sometimes. I, I, I would I would say that um, there certainly were a lot of good, you know they weren't good finishing around the rim. Yeah, a lot of guys blew you know several blown layups. A decent amount of wide open threes, but here's the thing: I think there's a pretty high standard at Michigan State for shot selection, yeah, and for running your offense and generating good looks. Okay, very rarely do I come out of a game. I'm speaking for myself. I mean, you can differ if, if you like, but very rarely do I come out of a game feeling like, man, they just they took a lot of tough shots. Unless they're playing a team like a Texas Tech in the Final Four a few years ago where that team just defends hellaciously and you just can't get good shots. And then mm. you tip your, your hat to the defense. But for the most part, Michigan State does not force them. I thought they forced – they either forced or were put into positions where they felt they had to force more stuff tonight than they normally do. I'll give Illinois some credit for that, but I also think Michigan State just wasn't very crisp running – their stuff yeah they, it seemed like they had to go to a lot of like second and third or third and fourth options late for shot sure clock. for sure yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about man that's it and and give them some credit for that but as we talked about that's not a great defensive team mm-hmm. now they may have benefited from coburn not being in there defensively i we talked about that in the pregame yeah and i think it was true uh but at the same time i still think if you're Michigan State, you're going to look back at that and say, hey, we just did not have a great game running our stuff. Mm. We just didn't generate the kind of looks that we normally get. And then you get, as you say, you get into late shot clock opportunities a lot, and you're kind of forced to throw up whatever you can get just to get a shot at the rim. Yeah. And that's that's not where you want to be. Uh, so you know, Marcus Bingham Looks like he's kind of gotten out of his funk a little bit. 13-6, um, four blocks, um, yeah. a steal. Hit, a, hit again, started the game off with a three. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really liked the game for Marcus. How many minutes? Do you have the minutes in front of you? Yeah, he had uh, 18. Good. That's a positive sign. That was the only thing I wasn't certain of, just how strong I, I thought anecdotally it seemed about that. That's that's a good sign. So he's trending back up there, which means he's getting his wind. The other good sign on that front is that he was better in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, but that last game uh, against Wisconsin, he was really impactful early, and then he didn't do as much in the second half. Tonight, he was really good. Yeah. I mean, that, that steal and dunk, that was <laughs> yeah. That was uh, awesome. he was he was control was it was the Marcus Bingham. That's maybe the best sign about the defense in the second half, especially when he was in there. Man, the Illinois couldn't get any good looks. Mm-mm. I mean, he just sw- I thought he was good in um, ball screen defense, and I, inside, obviously, you know, he said the four blocks. He was taking care of business there. And, yeah. and really making it tough. It would, you know, obviously Coburn would have presented a massively different challenge, 
But just looking at Marcus's game as a whole, I'm really happy. He's the guy for sure that checks out as the player of the game from an MSU perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even think there's another legitimate candidate. Um, so that's a good sign, too. Uh, and then Joey had a nice game, 10.7 rebounds. Um, yeah. He had a lot of nice offensive rebounds, uh, hit a couple threes that looked really crisp. Well, he hit one. The second one, they, they oh, said he had his two? foot on the line, oh. which was a big, yeah, that was a big point, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I made maybe it was a mistake looking at some of the commentary on Twitter and on the Spartan Mag board at halftime. And uh, a lot of talk about Joey Hauser playing 13 minutes and Malik Hall playing seven and what a travesty this was. Um, and I don't think Joey had scored in the first half, or maybe he had maybe he had one bucket. Um, but I, I got to tell you, if if you're upset about those that minute distribution in this game, I don't think that's necessarily the answer. I think you saw that in the second half. I think it should have been Joey and Malik together more often than we saw. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly one to advocate for Malik Hall playing more and playing a bigger role. And he didn't get, you know, he had one shot attempt in the first half that didn't even register because Gabe Brown interfered with the, interfered with the shot. Um, I believe that was in the, yeah, that was in the first half. So officially he didn't have a shot attempt in the first half. That's a problem. But, Joey Hauser was actually playing well. I know that it doesn't seem that way. He was, he was one for five, I think, in the first half. I don't know what he ended up shooting, um, but it was certainly better than that. Yeah. Uh, he had, what did he end he, up? He wound up with um, three for seven from the floor, one for two for three. Okay. that's You know what? That's not a problem. But if, at this point, if I've got to choose between Joey Hauser playing minutes at the five or Julius Marble, right now I'm going with Joey. And I know there are people who don't think that because they, especially in a game like this, if you've got Coburn out there or Dickinson on Saturday, maybe you rethink it because Joey's not, you know, not the strongest guy, but man, (laughs) as long as he's rebounding, yeah, that he's your best defensive rebounder at this point. In my opinion, he is their best defensive rebounder. As you said, tonight he got some offensive boards, too. Um, Even if he's not shooting well, and it's not like he's been particularly off lately, but even if he's not, he's a threat offensively when he's out there from range, and that matters. That helps. Mm. It helps your spacing. Um, But the, the biggest thing to me is ball screen defense is such a massive deal, and I don't trust Julius Marble. I just don't. And I mean, tonight was it, there, there have been games where he's shown up and, and been fine, you know? And then there are other games where he's just a mess. And tonight was an example of the latter. Mm. And, you know, so I think that's, if you're going to get upset about that minute distribution, I think that's where, but see a lot of the people who get upset about it won't see that because they see Julius Marble hit an occasional turnaround hook. They don't understand that, he might get you four points, but he's he's as likely to give up eight mm. as he is anything else. And tonight, that is exactly what happened. I promise you, that is what happened. There is a reason he didn't see the floor much in the second half, and it was that. Um, so I'm I'm with you on Joey. I thought he had a decent, solid game. Not spectacular, but I think he was, and he hit some shots late in that comeback. Yeah. He was big. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe Brown, 10 points, three rebounds, four for nine, one for five from the uh, three-point line. Just (sighs) Gabe needs a a five for seven game Mm. from three. He really does. Because right now the threes are not falling for him the way they have been. And, you know, I I don't know. I I didn't think his – he had a couple of looks that were good. I thought he kind of forced a couple. The one he hit was really contested. <laughs> that was probably the toughest one he took all night. But yeah. 
you know, he had that flash where he was getting out in transition and got five quick points, and then not a lot after that until that three, which was a big shot. Because mm-hmm. uh, that shot, if I remember correctly, got it into single digits. Um, and as they were trying, as you say, to just slowly, slowly crawl their way back into the game. Um, and, you know, I thought defensively he was pretty good in the second half. It was interesting to me, though, that there was that stretch. I think they reinserted him after the four-minute timeout, but there was a stretch where they were fighting to get back that they didn't have Gabe on the floor, and instead they opted to go with the two-point guard look. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, it's it's funny the things that get people riled up about lineups. That was a lineup choice I didn't love in this mm-hmm. game because it was pretty clear to me that they needed offense. They needed somebody who was going to go hit a shot. And I don't care if Gabe's one for five. I'm still going to take him, Yeah, you know, over A.J. Hogarth. <laughs> Um, that's just how it is. So not a great game from Gabe, um, had flashes, but they need more. Mm. That's clear. Uh, Tyson Walker, nine points, two rebounds, six assists, uh, but three for 10 from the floor, a steal and three turnovers. You know, I thought he was better in the second half. Um, you know, he, it was not a great game by Tyson, but I, I will say this, uh, Trent Frazier had that outburst when Hogard was in there in the first half and then didn't do a lot against Tyson Walker. Yeah. So I thought Tyson showed up pretty decently on the defensive end. I thought he was the better of the two tonight for sure. Um, you know, did make some shots, put pressure on the defense. Some, I thought he, he didn't get rewarded the way he should have for some of that. Mm Mm-hmm meaning there was some contact, I think, was let go at the rim on yeah, a couple of occasions. Drive. I was like, what in the world? Yeah, Izzo went nuts, apparently. Spent a lot of the uh, subsequent time out going at the official. I, I honestly thought they were going to come back from commercial and he was going to get teed up. <laughs> because he was furious. He pounded he pounded the scorer's table after that, after that no call. I saw it. He turned mm-hmm. around, his back to the floor, and just pounded the scorer's table. So I figured for sure, credit to the official for letting him go mm-hmm. um, and not making it a deal. But, you know, Tyson, I think a valid complaint in this one is even though he took 10 shots, he probably could have taken more. Mm-hmm. There were occasions where he was just reluctant to pull the trigger, and that, that doesn't work. He's got to be willing to be aggressive. So there were there were segments of the game where I thought he was aggressive, and then there were others where I thought he wasn't aggressive enough. Uh, and then Max Christie, two points, six rebounds, one for eight, zero oh for three from three, a block, three turnovers. Um, worst game. game of his MSU career. Yeah. yeah, and it's his home state. You know, he was okay against Northwestern, and you would think that would have been a little more pressure because he was his mom played basketball there. He was a ball boy there. He grew up close to Evanston. But this was just, yeah, I don't know if it was that or just one of those days. But to his credit, he hasn't had many of them, but he mm. did tonight. He And I, I thought he, too, really, I talked about Hogard. Max, I don't think, had a great game defensively, mm. especially in the first half. I thought he really struggled. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's unfortunate because most of this season, even when he's had an off night shooting the ball, you've been able to rely on that. And I just, I thought he was cheating some, he was going under when you can't go under against these guys. They've got too many shooters. Mm -hmm. Um, I just did not think he was dialed in that way. And then offensively, again, oftentimes, even if he misses shots, you come away from it saying, well, those were good looks. I thought there were some tonight he forced. There was a there was one Izzo went after him for, and you rarely see Izzo go after guys for shot selection. I think mm-hmm. in part because Michigan State as a team doesn't take many bad shots, typically. But there was one in the second half where they were trying to mount that comeback uh, where he pulled up and shot a contested, like, 17-footer. Yeah. He was inside the arc, but not by much. It was well-guarded. And it was just a bad shot. It was an example of a guy that I think was trying to just shoot his way out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's that. This is a Big Ten, man. You can't you can't do that. 
So, yeah, not a great game from him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, freshmen, they're going to happen. Uh, Malik Hall, 7.7 rebounds, um, 3 for 7 from the floor. Yeah, you know, he was good down the stretch. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the Malik Hall that you want to see, an aggressive Malik Hall. Um, he definitely is the one guy who I think can give them some of what Aaron Henry did last year in terms of having a good enough handle and being strong enough that he can get himself from the perimeter into positions around the basket to score. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, some of it, you, you could talk about the minutes he didn't play in the first half, but I got to tell you, when he was out there, he didn't do a hell of a lot. Yeah. So that's the other thing about that Malik Joey thing. It's like, okay, Malik did play seven minutes. It's not like he didn't play. What did he do in those seven minutes? What did the team do? Mm-hmm. Not much. So he needs to be more. It's the same story we've had before with him. Like Tyson Walker, he needs to be more consistently aggressive. I do like the way he tried to put the game on his back late. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunate with the free throws. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to get down on a guy for that. That stuff happens. Um, critical to the, the late game stuff. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, AJ didn't score in this one, three rebounds, two assists, a block, two turnovers. Yeah. I just non-factor, mm-hmm. you know, really just a quiet game from him and unusual in that, uh, he's almost always at least trying to make things happen. He's not necessarily successful, but th- this game, he just didn't, there was never really a point that I felt like he was impressing himself. And I don't know whether they just guarded him particularly well or what it was, but I, I did not think he was up to his usual standard. And he was kind of a, that's the thing you could critique a lot of Tyson Walker's game tonight, but Tyson mm-hmm. Walker was, was actually making some things happen at times. Yeah. AJ, AJ didn't do any of that. Uh, and then marble six points, two rebounds, two for four. Yeah, you know, and again, the six points look nice, but uh, well, his plus you minus, you, yeah, no, plus minus isn't like a stat you like, but it's minus seventeen. Okay, well, maybe uh, tonight it tells us something. It, it buttresses my argument, so I'll use it. No, uh, I just think that um, he was. This is the thing. And I'll give Michigan State's coaching staff credit for this much. They saw that first half. And I think you could tell pretty early with, with Julius, okay, is, is he going to be okay tonight? Mm-hmm. Or is he just going to be awful in ball screen defense? That's the whole name of the game with him. Because when he's awful, the defense doesn't play the way it needs to play. I mean, it just breaks down. And it was the latter tonight Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's an accident that when his minutes shrunk in the second half Michigan State got a lot better defensively and that was with and without Marcus on the floor because I maintain you know they closed that game with small ball lineup Joey at the five Illinois didn't score for the last five and a half Mm -hmm. so somebody was checking out there um but yeah it's it's the it's the eternal issue with Julius Marble, we're closing in on three years into this and it's the same shit. Mm -hmm. It's if he can be okay defensively, which at times he's shown this year, he can be. And if he can rebound, okay, then he's good enough offensively that you can afford to keep him on the floor. If he's not doing those things up to par, you can't play him Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, And then Aikens didn't score a couple rebounds. Yeah. Just not a, not a not a game for Jaden. I mean, he was okay defensively when he was in there. I didn't have a problem with that. But just, you know, he's the usually the fifth option offensively when he's on the floor. And so his point scoring, if it comes in games, is going to be much like it was against Wisconsin, where the ball just kind of finds him, mm-hmm. and he's got open looks, and he hits him, and maybe occasionally he'll do something in transition or, you know, going off the dribble every once in a while. But those opportunities were just not there for him tonight. Yeah. All right. So if we get into the keys, Rod, obviously the first one, Coburn, um, turned out not to be a factor. 
Well, but. I mean, it was a factor they didn't have him, right? Yeah. Um, it changed the game. I mean, as we talked about, I think you can make a good argument that he his presence changes things more than any other individual player at the college level mm-hmm. because he's so big and just so unstoppable around the rim when he gets the ball down there and he's such a force as a rebounder that I think that's a pretty good argument. Um, you know, I, I I certainly wouldn't say Illinois is better without Kofi Coburn. That's That would be a bridge too far, whereas I do think there's an argument they're better without Corbello. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, for one night at least, they got enough. I mean, their rebounding clearly suffered. You know, they got hammered. I don't know what the final rebounding total was, but Michigan State tattooed them. It felt yeah. like. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that was a big factor. They didn't have that. They, of course, had nowhere near the kind of interior presence, which also plays into what caliber of shot they can get with those jump shooters. Now, what did they end up from three? Uh, Illinois was 31%, nine for 29. Okay. That's well below, you know, this is like a 37% shooting team on the year. Mm. So, and they took a lot of them and we figured they would if they didn't have Coburn. But I do think that's another way Coburn shows up is that when you don't have to worry about that as much, um, you're able Mm. to do a better job limiting what they get. And I thought after the early stage of the game, first 10 minutes, I thought Michigan State's ball screen defense was largely a mess no matter who was out there Mm -hmm. and they got a lot of open looks you know frazier had that run they had some other guys after that i thought michigan state generally did a pretty decent job at making their their three-point attempts tough Mm -hmm. so that's an area where if you're an illinois fan you could say yeah not having kofi makes it a lot tougher on those guys to get good looks you know they tried i mean they they tried running their ball screen stuff, and I thought they, they ran. I thought they, they did what they could do to try to generate good looks. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's not going to be the same when you don't have that low post threat. So, yeah, it was impactful. It's just they were they were able to do enough to get past it and win yeah. fairly. Uh, the second key was defend the arc. I think you kind of covered that the last Yeah, time. I mean – in total, not bad. Mm-mm. Not bad. They were a little late getting um, out at in the beginning, but getting well, out yeah. to some guys. But yeah, and, and and it was it was that. And look, Illinois. We I think we talked about this in, in the pregame. That's a pretty good passing team. I don't think they're quite as good as Michigan State, but they move the ball well. Mm-hmm. So you did see some examples of that, where they moved the ball well and it got them an open look. And then, as I say, they had trouble early on with ball screen stuff where, you know, Frazier just got hot and torched them uh, a couple of times. But overall, I don't think you can be too upset with what Michigan State did guarding the three. Yeah. You yeah. knew you knew without with or without Coburn, it was going to be important. And without him, it was even more important. And I think that uh, what you saw was Michigan State, for the most part, do a reasonably good job in that area. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I give them a plus there. Uh, and then defensive rebounding. Um, Illinois only had four offensive rebounds in this game. Can't can't complain. Of course, we know that's a number and an area of the game that was really, really impacted by number one. Yeah. Coburn's in there. It changes everything, you know. But as I said earlier, we've seen them struggle to defensive rebound against poor offensive rebounding teams. This Illinois team, even without Coburn, I don't think qualifies as poor. Mm-hmm. They might be mediocre. I don't think they're poor. They've got size, you know, Payne, six ten, uh, uh, Verdant. Verdant kid is six, eight, but he's strong. Uh, you know, Hawkins is six, ten. They play and they're, they're some of their guards rebound well. So, that's not I, – I, I still give Michigan State credit. I thought they really, really did what they needed to do as a rebounding team at both ends. And it was necessary because if they hadn't rebounded that well, they're not anywhere close. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then turnovers, 10 to 6. Um, it's probably it's sounds, remarkable. <laughs> sounds a lot better than it looked. Uh, it, but this is the thing. It's We've seen this equation a lot this year. Mm-hmm. It actually has not been the case that we've very often seen games where it's just 40 minutes it's going on. But we have seen games where the first five minutes or the first 10 minutes are just an abject disaster. Yeah. And, and then so they settle down. So that sticks it, in your head. Yeah. This was extreme in that way. I mean, I, I thought they had 10 at the half. Maybe they only had nine. But uh, regardless, the second half was played extremely cleanly from that perspective. And honestly, Michigan State had the advantage here because they really owned the rebounding area and the turnover margin was not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, Illinois did a good job, too. They're a high turnover team and only have six. Mm -hmm. That's a great performance for them. That was critical for them because the way they rebounded, if they hadn't taken care of the ball like that, they would have had a loss. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then five was poise. Hard to argue that Michigan State had much of that. I will, I will normally we say poise usually shows up in, um, your, your ability to take care of the ball, not to make dumb mistakes, to, to take good shots. Mm-hmm. Some of those areas that didn't show up well. But I will say this. Not only did, did they defend really well, they maybe as well as at any time this year, and give the officials some credit for this, but I think it's also on Michigan State, they defended well without fouling. Yeah, I mean, they actually had to scramble to get Illinois into the penalty. Mm-hmm. there with under 10 seconds left that's how well they defended during that whole stretch where they were shutting them down you know they weren't fouling and they were in the bonus that's... so it wasn't like the, the rest were just letting them play right you know? michigan state got into the bonus with like 14 minutes left yeah um you're right so it was not that the officials were were uh just totally swallowing the whistle both ways so that's an example of poise i mean that counts and i think the fact that they didn't let the crowd, as I've seen Michigan State teams do on occasion in buildings like that, mm. they didn't let the crowd overwhelm them to the point that they just let it snowball. And, yeah. You know, it's it's one thing, as bad as it looked, down 14 at the half, you still feel like you're in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the biggest it ever got was 15. So they never let Illinois, there have been other games over the years where they might be in that situation and then the blink of an eye, they're down 21. Mm-hmm. And just the roof caves in, you know, those games and Cash's years against Purdue were examples of that, where it's just the roof caved in. They didn't let that happen. Yeah. You know, so I give them some credit there. And, and honestly, over the course of 40 minutes, 10 turnovers is not bad. No, no. It's because they, they were playing shoot. fast. They, they yeah. really were. They were trying to. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Illinois, it's funny. They had these occasional moments where their transition defense would break down. Mm. Like there was that segment where Gabe scored the dunk, five, yeah. five quick points. You know, and there were occasionally moments like that, but for the most part, I, I give them credit for getting back and forcing Michigan State to run half-court offense. So Michigan State was trying to play fast. They just weren't always successful at it. But as we know, it's not always about playing fast causing a problem for MSU. Mm. In fact, it's usually not. It's usually just inexplicable stuff. Yeah. That happens. And that was kind of the case again tonight. Yeah, you the know? turnovers some... that they did have were just dumb yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, but but in any event, um, I, I think that overall, I, I don't feel like Michigan State let that atmosphere overwhelm them. And that is that is not an easy thing to do. I have seen, we talked about it in the preview, right? That building, when the crowd is live, and I felt like it was, they had their students back. It was a big game for them. The crowd knew without Coburn they were going to have to try to provide some emotional lift. Uh, that was a tough building, and they didn't crack. Mm-hmm. So I give them that much. Yeah, It was, it was really, it was a game where, it, for me, and it, it's just funny how different people react differently to this stuff. To me, 
yeah, I'm disappointed they didn't win. And maybe we'll look back on it as a missed opportunity where it could have meant something like a conference title. We don't know yet. There's a long way to go. But uh, I guess to me, I don't have as much of a problem letting games like this one go because I felt like the things that matter most that are, I think are going to be the things that give this team a shot to do some good things. Yeah. Those were intact. The defense, the rebounding and playing hard and playing with force. Those were all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it, it's disappointing more so than like demoralizing. I would say like the Northwestern loss yeah, was demoralizing. Absolutely. There you go. I agree with that. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. You came out of that Northwestern game just really feeling like, are these guys letting, letting what they built for two months start to slip? Mm-hmm. Because again, it wasn't, it didn't just show up on that day. It had been coming. Yeah. Yeah. It just culminated. Yeah. It, it culminated in that day. Yeah. You know, um, this is different. This is, I still feel like, at least for the moment, I feel like, okay, this, whatever they needed to get straight over those five days or six days between Northwestern and Wisconsin, that's still intact. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, they didn't play well enough today that's different and easier to let go from my perspective mm-hmm. okay well we got michigan coming up saturday you've called um, your shot yeah i mean i'm, I'm telling you well, well, and, and what makes you feel that way i mean well one one is just the likelihood that michigan state for as good a shooting team as they have been the likelihood that they are going to put up another one and at home and at Michigan or against Michigan, that they're going to put up another performance like this or anywhere close to this, I think is, is unlikely. Mm. Um, I also feel like in particular, Gabe Brown is now very much overdue to have a big shooting game. I'd be very worried about that. If I were Michigan, Uh you know, it's coming somebody's going to get stuck with a five for seven from three night from him. It's going to happen. Um, I also am not convinced by any stretch that Michigan has actually solved anything. I think that their two wins uh, came against a, a Maryland team that I think is kind of a disaster for um, understandable reasons. And, and then they beat an Indiana team that's kind of tailor-made for them to beat. The main reason I say that, we're going to get into this a lot more in the previews, is I think Michigan can be better than they've been offensively. Just because I think they can make shots more than they were. They can hit more shots. They've been a bad shooting team for a lot of this year. They've been very hot lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also think lately, especially against Indiana, they did a good job in playing through Dickinson, which I think is smart because their point guard problems are then mitigated. It's kind of like MSU last year when they finally consistently decided to play through Aaron Henry. Yeah, yeah. They got better. They weren't good, but they got better. And I think Michigan is kind of a similar thing with Hunter Dickinson. So that much I buy into. What I don't buy into is that they're getting better defensively mm. because Indiana has no guard play. And you can sit back as they did and just either sit in a zone or just sag to try to take away their big men. And they're not going to hit shots. Well, that that stuff's not going to fly against Michigan State, Mm -hmm. most likely. You know, I want Michigan to run that tired 2-3 zone shit. (laughs) So I really do. Because I think they're going to get shredded if they do that. So I just, I feel like... They've been playing zone? Yeah, they've been playing more zone than you would have expected. Yes, I've noticed it uh, several times this year. Uh, It's not the majority of the time, but they run it out there more than they should. And if they run it out there at all against Michigan State, they're playing with fire. Mm -hmm. Look, you know, it's possible. When I say I'm not talking about like a 2,000, you know, uh, 50-point beatdown. I'm not talking about that. But if Michigan State had, had won this game, and maybe even especially if they had played well, um, I you know maybe 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 
you know, there's a little bit of a you're you're Let due to maybe not hit some shots. They're they're gonna be due. Doesn't guarantee anything, but this is just my opinion, my feeling. I'm not convinced by Michigan, and you know, especially if they win, they play Northwestern tomorrow night. So odds are they they may beat Northwestern. I don't think it's a gimme, but I think it's at home too. So they'll probably beat Northwestern, and they'll be four and three and have won three games in a row. It's also about them too. Yeah, you know yeah. that program historically has a real problem with front running, and and I would expect that there'll be some, as Izzo like to say, there'll be some fat sassy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, great, absolutely, bring it on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I feel I feel good about the likelihood of a good performance on Saturday afternoon. I know this much. I feel really good after tonight that they're going to bring the kind of effort mm-hmm. and and energy and toughness. That, I think, okay, I'm convinced that whatever was ailing them at the start of this month maybe is fixed. Biggest thing, too, is, and particularly considering that it's Michigan, it's so much of what they're about revolves around Dickinson. The fact that Marcus Bingham is showing up again, Mm. that's not good for them at all. That's really yeah. not good. You know, if they were getting the Marcus Bingham of a week, two weeks ago, okay. I don't think that's what they're going to see. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we have plenty of time to talk about those jokers. <laughs> jokers. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.